Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Be sure to check out these other great basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Bleachers and Boards, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, and our team-focused NBA pods, Cavaliers Central, Grizz and Grind, and Knuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. We're going to welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Damon Ray Huffman, also known as AKA my father, AKA the permaculture expert, AKA the workhorse. We call him dad. Welcome to the thrive podcast. How does it feel to be on your first podcast with your son? Feels uh, unbelievable. I can't believe you asked me. You know how I'm out of the box kind of thinker or talker. So, uh, boy, a, you got a lot of courage. I'm a little a nervous. Courage. I'm a lot. I'm actually a lot. I'm a lot nervous about this. This could turn out to be the best podcast in the world or one of the most awkward podcasts I've ever recorded. I'm open to either. Me too. So let's get started. Uh, D Ray, we can call you that. Can I call you D Ray on the show? Is that your nickname these absolutely. days? Absolutely, I got that name from Alana's father. So yes, absolutely. Okay. So for everybody that doesn't know, my dad uh, was played at Michigan State. Uh, also played at Albion College. Also coached me growing up. I thought it'd be interesting to have a talk uh, for the dads out there, people looking for training insights, basketball philosophies, and. I thought, hey, you know, I comp- I've run out of people to interview. I've been away for two weeks moving to Vermont. Why not get my dad and let's talk hoops and let's talk philosophy? So how did you raise two young boys, uh, Damon and my younger brother Damon and me and, well, Jeremy too, to become all three college basketball players? Did, was that the goal or were you just like, I just let these guys do whatever they want? Well, we had a number of sports that we played. We played soccer. And we played basketball. It was a small uh, stint with tennis, but uh, basketball, I think, ended up as the greatest love, love for the game. Uh, But those two sports go really well together because basketball uh, with hand-eye coordination and soccer with foot-eye coordination, those two things go really well together. And um, they are both endurance-type sports. So it was a great combination. But you loved them both. You yeah, really actually, so I actually, all three of you guys did. Grew up loving soccer first, ironically, and thought I was going to be Pele at one point. Um, but at at what point did you did you did you really start to try to you know help us get better at the game 
you know, was it, what were you doing early on to get the ball in front of us, to get us interested in, you know, kind of putting the carrot out in front of the horse in in a way without pressuring us or making us feel like we had, I never felt like I had to become, you know, the next Magic Johnson. Well, um, first off, I tried to expose all three of you to different sports, different genres, so to speak. We'd Mm -hmm. we'd stop at every park that we went by and we'd play and uh, we tried to create a game out of everything. And uh, so I just watched and whatever you guys started to fall in love with, that, then that's what we followed. If you were, were going to be cheerleaders, I would have been a cheerleader coach. If you'd have been a tennis player, I would have been a tennis coach. So whatever you loved, that's what you should follow. And as a parent, looking at your son or daughter, or daughters, you would just watch them and see what they really love to do. And just remember, as a parent, you cannot push a rope. It just doesn't work. If they don't want it, and a coach is, there are so many distractions in today's world. I think the video games are going to be a major distraction for athletic performance. But that's the way it is. That's the world we live in. So you have to adapt. What's the number one tip you'd give a parent listening to the, to, to the a basketball parent specifically, or, or just any athletic parent? What what what? What would be the number one tip you'd tell them in, in raising a, uh, a, well, a healthy, successful, um, motivated kid? That's, that's a good question. That's a hard one to answer. You know, every child is different. Every player is different. Every experience is different. So it's very difficult to answer. But I would say this. Um, I would start with John Wooden and his pyramid of success. He would always start out with, what are your personal goals? And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's business, whether it's basketball, soccer, you know, write those down, put them in an envelope. But we, we, we really didn't put our goals in an envelope. We posted them everywhere. We put them on the mirror. We put them in our wallets. We put them in our pockets. We put them in the dashboard of the car. Everywhere we would look, there it would be. I want to achieve this and whatever that was. So many points, so many rebounds, so many wins, so many uh, steals, so many assists, all of those kind of details. And then we would measure everything. If you want to succeed, and actually it's from a business book, if you want to succeed, you measure everything. And then you know where you need to work. So um, that's, that's where I would do. I would define what is it that you want to want to uh, achieve. Now, if you just want to make the uh, third grade basketball team, that's not going to take a lot of effort. But if you're going to try to be a a uh, starter on the varsity in high school or a player in college, it's going to take a lot more effort. So a lot, a lot more. I think the other thing I would say is uh, you need to apply mathematics to uh, your effort. And the uh, Perry Delicto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, 20% of your results come from 80% or other way around. 80% of your results produces a 20% and 20% of your effort produces 80%. So you really want to focus in on what's going to produce results. And so many players waste so much time. They actually create bad habits for themselves. And they go through the motions. They never go full speed. They, uh, when, I would, when I would go to the games and watch the games, I always wanted to go to see the warm-ups. Ooh, the that's warm-ups, a good you, Yeah, the warm-up. Warm-up. The, I can pick the starters from any team by watching that's, the warm-ups. That's right. I just watch the warm-ups. I see what kind of a speed they go at, what what kind of shots they practice, you know, and I can tell you whether the team's going to win or lose just in warm-ups, really. It's that 
because it's the 80 20 rule. And Especially in high school. You can it's tell. habit. You, know? you watch the pros, I have no idea what's going to happen. But the high school players, the middle school players, you can see who's well coached, who who touches the line, who who goes at game speed and their layups. I, I agree with that one. Um, but how did you get, how did you get, um, how did you, how did you get me when I was a kid? I know I'm probably the worst, you know, coached son, son coach. I remember one time my dad was coaching me in eighth grade. He was my eighth grade middle school coach and he can talk a little bit about this, but he had a system of, you're talking a little bit about math and you would record the wins and losses for every, almost every drill, uh, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three shooting drills, free throws. And so at the end of the week, you would count up the points and it'd be, we had what, 12 guys on that team, 14. Uh, we actually had uh, 16, I think. And we had four guys that didn't dress. So there's a lot of competition at 10, 11 and 12. Yeah. Spots. And so, did you come up with that idea to, to record the wins and losses and based well, upon your win-loss, you were you're the top five. If you were the top five in wins for the week, you'd start. And uh, you talk a little bit about that because I remember one time I wasn't so happy. You want to you recount that story? I don't yeah, want to tell it. I, 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 get, I get emotional still. <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was a very effective model, especially at the eighth grade. I, when I inherited this team, I think they were three and – three and seven or three and eight the year before. So they had a losing record. They had, they had pretty good players and I couldn't understand why. So I inherited that team and uh, I was applying, I was in business for myself at that time. And I was really reading a lot of business books. And one of the things was measure everything that you do. So I was trying to create a system that took me, my personality out of the equation. So it wasn't a, uh, friendship thing or favoritism or anything like that. And uh, so I created wins and losses and we did everything, free throw challenges, like you said, two on two, one on one, three on threes. And I used uh, John Wooden's uh, style of play where we never really played five on five. We always broke it down into sections and defined areas on the floor. And um, the, the kids, the eighth graders, have huge egos and they want to be the best. They really want to be the best and they want to dress for that game. They want to play. And I had a rule where everybody played and I would rotate. Sometimes I would have five guards on the floor, but the, and, and the other thing that the players learned was they all learned how to win. They knew who should take the last shot. They knew who should get the rebounds. You know, they, they figured out the game. So it was an intelligent man's basketball game. So. Do you think we figured out the way to win because in practice, we wanted to win so bad. We knew who should be shooting more, who should yeah, be a defensive yeah, role player. Absolutely. And um, Trevor um, was blessed with a lot of God-given talent. You know, he was very athletic, um, very talented. So what I would do was I would do three-on-threes, and I'd put Trevor with the two weakest players on the team. So the two weakest players on the team had a chance to win, and Trevor had to play – <laughs> to play his best game to win. So it created situations on the team where everybody pulled together. And it, was, it, it wasn't it uh, was first string, second string. It was everybody in the hardest. So yeah, it was uh, co- everything was competitive. Everything was... Uh, <laughs> it was pretty crazy because I remember the one, the one week I didn't start 
um, and you can rehash some of this memory. I was right on the bubble, like had a bad week of practice, was not focused, you know, like every athlete has, has bad, bad days, bad weeks, bad months sometimes. But, you know, I came out and, and, and I, I remember I lost to Mickey Stoddard, who was, uh, you know, just shooting the lights out that week. And, and um, he beat me in a free throw contest. And I said, no, I'm not playing anymore because I knew I was at number five. And if I lost again, I might move down to number six. So I was trying to stall. And you told me to go, I had to go shoot again and I missed and I lost. And then I was in the sixth place. I had a meltdown, dad. And I remember I kicked the ball and uh, we, we all ran, the whole team ran and we started running around the gym. And I, I remember thinking, man, this is the last time I, I ever want, want to play for my dad. But you know what? It was one of those things that looking back, there was no, you know, there wasn't anything that you had done. It was just the, the, the nature of sport. It's all equal out here doesn't depend you know even if you're the most talented uh today doesn't matter you have to you have to you know tomorrow's home run doesn't count today as babe ruth said yeah sure true well that that's a pretty good rendition of the story i kind of remember saying go out in the hallway when you're done crying i'm not your mother i'm not your psychotherapist i'm your basketball coach and when you're ready to try again try to win again you come back in here and we'll start playing again i did kind of have a rule where if the offender um, got in trouble that everybody would run except for the offender. I would let them sit down in a chair and let them watch so everybody on the team could reward them with pure group pressure. So I didn't want to be a disciplinarian. I didn't want to be a Bobby Knight or a Yeller Screamer, you know. Those kinds of uh, coaches are successful short-term, but they're not successful long-term. So I wanted to create a, a vision for all of the players that they could achieve the next level. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is, we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals, but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810 810- 771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. Right around that time, I met a, a young guy named John Flynn. And I remember, yeah. tell that story, because I remember we had a scrimmage against Harbor Springs, and you were up there at that time. Johnny Flynn was on the Harbor Spring team, and Trevor was on the Petoskey team. We had a scrimmage in the gym, and uh, I watched this kid play. And he well, was John, uh, John Flynn is the all time leading scorer at Petoskey high where we both went to high school and he's the all time GLIAC division two. He was an all American by his sophomore year in college. So this is a guy that you saw play in seventh grade. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. He was uh, magical and mystical. And uh, the first thing I wanted to know is where, who is his dad? I wanted to know who his dad was. So I tracked him down. It was Joe Flynn. He was the freshman coach in Harbor Springs. 
and he was an X and O guy. He had great plays. He had set plays, and uh, he loved the game. He still plays. He loves. He's a he's a fanatic. He's a basketball fanatic. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, as a parent, that's what you have to become. You have to become a fanatic. You just love the game. You love to watch the game. You love to uh, see other players play. And uh, one of the things I used to do as a parent was I would always go and sit behind the other. Uh, the opponent's bench because I wanted to hear what the other coach was saying. I kind of knew what uh, Coach Starkey was going to say, but I wanted to hear what the other coach was saying. And it's part of a learning curve. You know, you have you open your mind up and you want to learn everything you can learn about basketball so, mm-hmm. as a parent and as a coach. And 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 then you told me, I remember this, I you said, you got to go talk to that, you know, to this John Flynn little boy. And I was like, I was new to Petoskey. We'd moved up there, and uh, I've, I just remember thinking, "No, I don't want to go talk to him." But um, it was a, p- a really important lesson, and I, I really try to to teach this to the kids now. Where you know, being able to get outside your comfort zone, uh, whether it's your dribbling workouts, your shooting workouts, and and really learning from players that are better than you. Because that day, John Flynn, he decimated me. He he was a he was a, a he detonated the bomb. Uh, he scored 32 points. It was the seventh grade. I was supposed to be the big shot moving in. And after that, I went up to Joe Flynn. I went up to Johnny after the game, and and you and you told me to shake shake his hand and get you know get their phone number. And I remember thinking, man, I've done this so many times already down in Flint. You know where we had moved from. You know when you used to drop me off uh, after church, we'd go to play at the parks. So this idea of 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 getting outside my comfort zone at that time kind of had already, you'd already exposed me to this line of thinking. And I always thought like, why were you as a dad so different than most dads and parents out there? Why were you trying to uh, strive to get me to fail fast and learn or get my, and get my, get my butt kicked? I mean, what was your, what was your reasoning behind that and your philosophy behind that? Cause I really felt like that has stayed with me throughout life. And it's also something I teach kids now is don't be afraid to go up to that player or that parent or, or that kid that's better than you and challenge them one-on-one go play better players all the time, you know? And I think it's a really hard thing to do when you're little, you're young. But how did you create that philosophy and how did you instill it in me? Well, um, when you've played college basketball and you've seen a lot of basketball, you kind of know, what it's going to take to achieve these higher levels. You know, you go from high school, actually you're the big fish in the little pond. You go to college. Now you're the little fish in the big pond. And if you want to go up to division one college ball, now you're really the little fish in the big pond. And when you go to pros, uh, you've got to be one in a million. So um, mathematically the odds are against you, but if you do things that are out of the box, I look at it this way. If you do everything that everybody else is doing, you're going to get what everybody else is getting. So I just decided that we needed to do extra little things. So with Trevor, um, I knew he had a lot of athletic ability, but uh, he wasn't really, uh, um, don't, don't take this personally, Trevor. Oh, but I'm going to take really, it personally. You weren't really tough enough to play Division One ball because I know I knew oh my gosh how tough it was. So <laughs> I hired a I hired a personal trainer, and she was a woman. She she drove you pretty hard. I she was the Pistons up. trainer. She was Joe Dumars trainer. How did why uh, did you why did you decide to toughen me up? Because because I wouldn't listen to you anymore. I felt like you know. Oh well, yeah, that, as a parent, you need to do this. Now, this is what I did regarding that issue. 
I knew that my sons would stop listening to me. So what I would do is I would recruit two or three people to come to the game and watch Trevor, D2, Jeremy play. And then after the game, I would have them uh, tell, tell the player, either D2, Trevor, or Jeremy, three things that they did really, really well. You did, these were off the charts. And then I would tell them three things that they needed to work on. So every athletic performance, whether it's practice or whether it's a game, is a chance for a player to evaluate their skills and learn what they need to work on. So when you miss an easy layup, you don't go, oh, man, I missed an easy layup and beat yourself up for three weeks. You go, ooh, that, I need some more work on that. So it's a, it's a mindset. It's just a different way of looking at things. And uh, that's, that was how I approached it. And it seemed to work. You know, you got to do what works. Every child, every parent, every player, everybody's a little bit different. So it's got to work for them. And it, when it works, it's magical and mystical. So, Yeah, that was um, – and, and so after, after John Flynn and I had met in Petoskey, um, talk a little bit about the, our high school progression because I feel like one of the things that I've, I figured out was, like you said, f- getting tougher really comes down to you know, two things, the way you train and the way who you compete against. And if you're competing against – all the small fish in your city and you continue to win, that's if you feel great. You don't ever deal with any negative feelings or adversity or lack of confidence. You never get your shot blocked. You're the man, you're the big fish, right? So in the summers, I would come down from Petoskey, Northern Michigan, predominantly all white, all, you know, not that many athletes that are dunking. And, and then I would come down to inner city Flint and it would be it would basically be a complete 180, you know, now where I'm the least athletic guy or, you know, trying to survive, you know, trying to stay afloat. What did you see at that point in in my career and how did you keep me, you know, I'm sure I probably was scared at times or had fear. What were you telling me in those times? Well, fear, fear. let's talk about fear because that, that that shows up at all levels. Uh, Fear of missing the shot, fear of missing the bus, fear of, asking the girl out on a date, fear of this, fear of that. So you just have to realize that everyone experienced that, experiences that. And fear is false evidence appearing real. So it's not really real. So if you push through it, um, then you're sure you're going to have another experience that's fearful, but you'll push through that too. So um, it's a progression. It's a focus. It takes courage. It takes courage to step out on that court, especially with uh, premier players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and remember when you took me to Mott Community College, um, Steve Schmidt, a uh, famous yeah, coach, coach down there. Yeah, Coach Schmidt, he's, he's a legend. Did you, he should, did you he buy be... him out? Like, did you go in and offer him money to let me play? Because how did I even get on the court? <laughs> well, I said, I think this kid is looking to be a Division One player. Nobody wants him. And uh, you might have a shot at him. Because, uh, Trevor, nobody wanted you. No one in the state of Michigan even looked at you. I took you to Michigan, Michigan State, Western, Eastern, uh, Central. You know, Central Michigan could have had both you and Johnny on the same team. And uh, you guys were magical together. But uh, it's, you know, from Northern Michigan, nobody wants a little white boy. And when I uh, tried to get you in front of uh, Coach Waters in Fort Wayne, he was the coach at Kent State. He had his head down. He wouldn't look at me. He had his arms crossed and he was shaking his head back and forth. No, 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 I do not want another little white boy. 
no, no, no. So um, a lot of a lot of opportunities come from packaging. And I had my brother, Jamie, uh, played at Michigan State with Magic Johnson. He called Coach Waters because he had played for him in Fer- at Ferris State University. So he said, just give him a tryout. So, and then it was Andrew Mitchell that said, because uh, the coach was looking for a big man. He was all over Eastern Europe. He was looking for a, a monster in the middle. Every, every basketball coach is looking for that. But uh, Andrew Mitchell went to the coach and told him that his big man had appeared. And that, that kind of chokes me up because uh, without him saying that, you probably wouldn't have gotten a shot at Kent State. So That's true. It's, you the know, little, it's the little serendipities, coincidences, you know, that happen along the way that make opportunities real for those that really want to go for the higher levels, you know, with Division One and then on to professionalism. Yeah. So, Are you proud of uh, your, your boys that went on to play and play in college? Like, how does it um, feel as a dad? Um, it was uh, actually very tormenting <laughs> to watch the games because – I knew how good you were and I would watch the coaches and how they would use you and play you. And once, once you do as a parent and as a coach realize um, skill levels and opportunities to, that could be exploited, you know, I always look for uh, strengths and weaknesses on the opposing team and, you know, you attack their weaknesses. And I just saw a lot of opportunities that were missed. Coach Waters is a great coach, but he does the same thing over and over again. He doesn't have much, offensive originality and uh, once you got to the higher levels they would know those patterns and they'd just shut you right off so and I'm not throwing him under the bus because he was a great coach he had great runs and uh, he had a fabulous yeah, fabulous yeah, coaching he had career. great success I mean it's not easy to succeed as a coach even if you do have good offensive creativity I think each coach has their strengths for sure but you said that um, you know I mean you know, D2 played professional basketball, my younger brother. I played professional basketball. That's two two kids. And then you had Jeremy who played college soccer and basketball. Right. I know you could say that one could say that, oh, we, we were we were the most athletic kids. And uh, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I've, I've seen a lot of kids that were more athletic than me, even in high school and college, and, and they didn't go on to play professional basketball. What do you think it was? Well, we had a tremendous work ethic. You know, when the season ended, most people take their sneakers, uh, sneakers and hang them up in the locker and say, well, I'll, I'll try again next year. The first day of the new season began, the day of the old season ended. And that's when we knew that we, we could get better. And uh, it all kinds, I, I hired all kinds of uh, people to assist. I learned from every one of them. One was a sports psychologist. He really taught, taught you, Trevor, the, the art of war. Uh, and, and it's uh, trash talking and uh, all of that that goes on that not heard or seen on television, but it goes on all the time. And, uh, you know, I guess Larry Bird was the best, but you were probably the second best. And uh, um, well, At least in northern Michigan. Yeah, we hired a nutritionalist. We hired a strength and conditioning coach. He was amazing. He was out of Cleveland. He, uh, he, he coached the number one and number two player in the NBA tryouts. They came in first and second on the strength and conditioning part of the testing. So he was awesome in and of himself. Uh, that was quite a story, too. We, we went into the, into the old iron steel building, manufacturing building, and all the windows were shut, and it was like 100 degrees outside. So it's about 110, 115 inside. So I said, man, you've got to open some of these windows in here. He goes, oh, no, 
<laughs> we're not opening <laughs> any windows. We like it tough. And uh, he, I do remember he, that. You remember that? Oh yeah. And he had all kinds of rubber bands, and uh, uh, he, he was he was he was amazing. I really yeah, we did that. sand workouts. We did weights. We held forty-five pound plates and did ladder workouts in the sand. We were sprinting. We were competing against each other, and I think that competition is one of the you know the big uh, kind of the big three for me. Maybe even big two. I think if you get the big two right, you're going to yeah. be pretty good at at uh, basketball. And I think for those elite parents and those elite kind of kids want to play in that top 5% of the population, you know, you really have to do stuff different. You can't do what everybody else is doing. And I think we, you know, you really forced, uh, not only that you've fed, you fed the desire. I don't know. I don't know how I, yeah. you know, was, I was very self-motivated, especially, you know, into, even into college, I think into the pros, I, you know, I started to lose a little bit of that as you know, you get, as you get more, more, you know, 20 years down the line, you have to, you can do less and less. You don't have, you know, it's more recovery and it's more taking care of your body. It's more yoga. But early on, we really, we really pushed it. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from all the different trainers and coaches you put me in front of. And I would say that's kind of your philosophy is to, to put as many teachers and mentors in, in the path uh, of your students and, and your students are the kids. The, these are, these are students of the game. They, you know, the kids that really want to learn who, you know, I, I look at the Huffman, you know, the, the Huffman basketball, the, the home workouts that I've been doing, you know, I see these kids and, and, and I'm giving them notes, I'm giving them workouts and they just, they're sponges, you know, they, they, they really want to get better at uh, the art of dribbling and footwork. And, and so I can't do enough. I'm trying to add new trainers and coaches and, and, and new players to get in front of them. Cause I, you know, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. I do have a, a lot, but I don't have them all, you know, and I think you figured that out even. Yeah, I don't your, think any, anybody has all the answers. No. I do have a suggestion for the parents um, and the coaches that are listening. Um, there's a site on the internet called, by Brian Johnson, called Optimize Me, Optimize.me. Mm -hmm. It's one of the best sites for um understanding the mental state that's required to achieve high levels of success. And really, as a parent, you want your child to learn these lessons and then be able to take those lessons and to apply it to whatever area of their life they need it, whether it's in a relationship, marriage, whether it's in their job, their business, their, um, it, you want them to be able to transition from being a professional athlete or an athlete and take those lessons learned and apply them. So for me personally, um, everything that I learned in sports were priceless. You know, yeah. how to get pick yourself back up after you get knocked down, knowing that uh, when you're absolutely exhausted, you just don't have anything left, that's when you win the game. Mm -hmm. um, trying, you know, you never quit. You just keep trying and trying. If this doesn't work, you try this. And if that doesn't work, you try this. Try different things. Have flexibility in your mental state. Being able to pivot, you know, pivot's a basketball term. Being able to pivot not only physically, but mentally and into a uh, direction that will lead to success. So um, it's sports to me are the most important thing yeah. in my, uh, my educational curriculum. So how did you... 
let's go back to you said it tor- you know being a parent tormented you i never heard you use that word <laughs> what do you mean how did you deal with oh. the tor- the tormenting you mean watching the games like didn't know if we were going to win or or was was it trying to you saw talent in me that other coaches didn't and you wanted them to see it like what was i i know as a parent it's got to be hard cuz you're biased right you you believe in your kid you you want the best for your kid and i think there's a lot of parents out there who helicopter over their kids you know and yeah. and, 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 and and enable them entitlement and do these things where you know you somehow got out of the way for the most part i mean you know, uh, you probably only sent one letter to a coach and that I didn't even know about, you know, and that, that wasn't you know, well received. Yeah. And it, and it probably didn't help anyway, which, no, you know, and, and I think the moral of the story is I had to, I had to learn the lessons and take the lumps and, and let, you know, let the work ethic and, and believe in that process. Is that, is that how yeah. you were tormented? Cause you had yeah, to, you, you know, had the, to let that process happen. Um, how do I say this? It's a, uh, when you watch the game and you're cerebral and you can replay every play in the entire game, you know how many rebounds John or Sally have, how many steals they have. You just, you're like a, a mental computer watching this game, registering everything, and then you know there are certain adjustments that could be made that aren't being made. Or, um, it, you know, you give your best effort and you're still not successful. It's really hard to transition from, oh my gosh, I lost, to, oh, look how much I learned. This is what I need to work on to get better so that I can win the next time we play. And, uh, you know, I was extremely competitive as a player, but um, you, can't, you can't burn your kids out. You know, every time I would see signs of burnout, we would go, we would move on to a different, different game. We would cross, cross train or, you know, we'd, we'd go to the beach, play volleyball or, we were always trying to be athletic, but I wouldn't. Um, you can tell when your kids, your, when your own personal child is being burned out because he doesn't uh, go all out. He's going half speed. He's just going through the motion. So once you see that, you just take a time out and you go do something else. Play golf. Go, go uh, play volleyball on the beach. Go mm-hmm. swimming. Go skiing. You know, something else to give him a, a, a break away from basketball or soccer, whichever sport that you choose. Yeah. So um, that's a, there's a very fine line between being there, supporting them, and helicoptering over them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just it's a, such a fine line. It's a delicate line. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself. Every line is different, and uh, every child is different. So I just, let, I just follow their love. If you know what they love, follow that, and you'll be, they'll be successful, you'll be successful. And that applies to all areas of your life. If you love what you do, like Trevor loves his coaching, if you love art, if you love agriculture, gardening, flowers, whatever you love, that's going to be an expression of your uh, supreme being, your, your essence. Yeah. And it's going to be beautiful. What would be one thing you would have done differently? Looking back. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I went through a domestic dispute. That was real hard. You mean it's a real divorce. hard on uh, everyone. And, uh, You're talking about our, the family, the divorce. Dispute sounds like. A, yeah, it was a divorce. Yeah. And uh, we, we just had gone so far in different directions that uh, it became irreconcilable. But the child, the children, they don't understand that. They don't understand why mom's not there or dad's not there. 
Are they just, uh, you know, kids are pretty resilient, but there's collateral damage. And if I had to do it again, oh, I didn't file for divorce, but uh, I would have uh, tried harder to make it work. So having said that, God bless you if you're going through it, because it's a very tough experience for all involved. Yeah. Collateral damage. That's true. All right. That's a good, good answer. We don't want to go down. I don't want to go down that, that path. I'm not ready to psychoanalyze you or me yet. Yeah, I probably need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? I think we all need therapy. Um, Even Huffman basketball kids, they should know that we all need therapy in some point. But, you know, I think there, there's a lot of parents out there that we're all humans at pro athletes to, I hear, I hear so many stories about pro athletes who are really going through it, you know, losing, losing the, losing the bankrupt or, you know, getting divorced. And, you know, you, you, I think kids look at this world of basketball and they think, well, that's the secret to, to happiness. And, you know, being human is, is always, uh, it's always, it's always doesn't matter what you do. You could be the, the Apple CEO. You could be Steve Jobs. You could be Bill Gates. You could be Warren Buffett. You could be, you know, Elon Musk. You could be Dean Smith. You're going to have, you know, everybody has human problems and human challenges. And I think uh, sports kind of can give you wisdom on how to handle it and, and, and practice resilience, which I, w- I would say it this way. Sports has the potential to bring out the best in every person. And it also has the potential to bring out the worst in every person. So it's a matter of approach, matter of, you know, which, which way you want to go. You want to go to the good side or the dark side. And uh, so it's, it's just a great arena because there's so much pressure. You know, everybody, everybody wants to be a nice guy when there's no pressure, but when things are falling apart and things aren't going your way and the refs are against you, the crowd is against you, you know, it's, it's, it's a good pressure cooker to bring out the best in people. And you can only get there. I think the only arena that has this is sports. And uh, it's great. I love it. I love to watch a good basketball game, good soccer game. I love to see the teams pull together, and I love to see them fall apart because once they start to fall apart, then you can watch them again try to pull together. It's a great arena for developing leadership. You know, how do you become a great leader? Play sports. That's my suggestion. That's good stuff. I I think so. I think that's the. That's definitely one way. It's definitely, I think, a great way to look at it. Um, let's see what what else. Anything else you think's uh, relevant uh, for for all the parents out there? Well, that I think uh, diet is very important, and uh, I wish we'd have paid more attention to diet. I was kind of a supplement guy. I thought that a supplement could be a magical, mystical, achievement-oriented uh, event, but uh, it's really our habits that we have. If you eat junk food, just think about it. In six months, you're going to have a body this. Well, I mean, there's a lot of athletes that eat junk food. Oh, I know. It's terrible. But you used to tell me you can't put unleaded in a Ferrari. And I was like, (laughs) wait, am I the Ferrari? (laughs) Because I don't don't feel that fast down here in Flint. (laughs) But, you know, I think think we did – you were very, very – into the science and, and, and finding the trainers and took me down to Arnie Kander at Detroit. You, you built, let's 
let's talk about your your willingness to take risks. I think as a parent, uh-huh. you you built a um, you built a sense deprivation tank, which nobody used in our family except D two, because <laughs> we were all afraid of it. Oh yeah, that was a that was an interesting uh, interesting divergence. We, uh, <laughs> what were you thinking? Like, talk us through. Well, I, I was reading. Uh, well, I'll use, let me then before we go there. Let's go to Stanford. You know, the football team out in Stanford had come up with a new training regimen where they would uh, put ice water. Uh, on their hands and ice water on their feet. And what it does is it it cools the core temperature. So then you can push through all of your prior endurance. um, Thresholds. Thresholds, yeah. So um, we do stuff like that. So um, Trevor actually tried that. I think he put his feet in a bucket of cold water and then held frozen. I would would put my feet on, I'd put my feet at halftime on ice bags and hold on to ice and at halftime in the pros, which everybody kept looking at me like I was crazy. Did that work for you, Trevor? I mean, I was the two-time MVP of Belgium and 13-year <laughs> pro. I don't know. I think you, you got to be willing to try it. I, so yeah. that was, those were the kind of ideas that I was always looking for. So I came across this flotation tank, and actually it was a, it was a, a torture chamber in World War II where they put you in there and they would deprive you of all sensory input. It was completely dark. Temperature was... Uh, the Theory. ideal temperature, and you would be floating in there. And you didn't know whether you were alive or dead. You didn't know where you were. And uh, it was a way to get people to confess uh, and roll over and tell you what you needed to know. So, But I, I did it because I was reading articles where the professionals were using the flotation tank not only to heal their injuries, their bodily injuries, but also to as a learning uh, tool. So... My vision was to put a TV in the lid and play. Let's say you're a running back football. You put in O.J. Simpson. You put in Barry Sanders. You put in uh, Jimmy Brown. All the great running backs, you know, Mm -hmm. Walter Payton, throughout time. And you would just play that over and over again. And then your mind would assume those uh, moves. And then when you got on the football field, you could could adopt those moves. Now, a number of teams have used flotation tanks. And they became highly successful. You know, they won championships. And you got to realize that when you're at the professional level, the difference between winning and losing is uh, so small, so minute, like, like the Olympics. The difference between a gold medal and the silver medal or the bronze medal is a step, a stroke, a mm-hmm. point, a, you know, with the oars, a half, a, half an oar length. So... The difference between greatness and, and also ran is so small. So you have to do things that are going to uh, create that opportunity for you to achieve that high, the highest level. And, you know, and really, when you get down to it, you are actually in competition with yourself. You want to get better yourself. You're not in competition with another team, another player. You want to be the best me, best you that you can be. And uh, Sometimes it takes another player to get you there, but uh, it's an exciting process. It's an exciting uh, arena in which to participate. That's 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 exactly right. Well, where uh, typically I have the pro players plug themselves, but I think you know I don't think What's you're on. You're not on Instagram, are you? No. No. What are you? I don't have time right now to. Um, you're busy. You're a busy man. Yeah, busy yeah I would. Man I would recommend everybody, whether you're a younger player, older player, and 
get on the optimize.me uh, web.com website and pull out the books on sports and you know learn how to win a gold medal learn what it takes and the toughest part is not your body not your diet not your injuries not any of that it's the six inches between your ears maybe it's five inches four maybe inches. how many ever inches it is four <laughs> i've never really measured that so yeah brian it's optimize.me it's a brian johnson he's uh yeah. he's a, a wisdom guy but he he does notes on books and i've been uh, a member of brian johnson for a long time he, he gives a lot of uh just great stuff for cutting, athletes and, yeah, and uh, cutting edge stuff you know everything from breathing to diet to uh, mental sugar, state to you know how to how to deal with failure you know yeah to, he does he does crash. personal notes on uh you know some of the best writers out there trevor yeah. moad it takes what it takes to yeah. um you know your what do you eat you know food understanding food labels to breathing yeah. it's all in there so yep. he's really good i think that's a great uh, a great resource for everybody out there um uh but uh, thanks for coming on dad you're welcome i hope i help somebody you know i you really what we end up being is we're the average of the five people we hang around with. So with the internet, you can hang around with some tremendous, tremendously successful, tremendously inspiring, motivating personalities. And uh, you yeah. can, any limitation that you place on yourself is a false limitation. You, you, we are all better than we think we are. And we can, we can achieve so much more than what we really achieve. So having said that, God bless everyone. Life is good. Go for it. All right. All in. All right. Well, thanks. That's D. Ray, uh, my father. Also, we, you know, we'll probably have you on. You'll be, you know, you'll be one of our, our uh, frequented speakers. As I run out of speakers, I will always bring my <laughs> father back on because that's what he does. He's always there for me when, when, he, when I need him. And um, he's the consistent, Mr. Consistent uh, taught me how to work, taught me how to, to chase my dreams. So yeah, that's really it right there. Chasing I, the dream. I'm grateful. I'm always grateful for your tutelage and uh, mentoring. So uh, I hopefully, I think a lot of parents out uh, that listen to this are going to take a lot from this. And I, and I wonder if this is actually, you know, I should just have you on the podcast more because I feel like I learn something every time I talk <laughs> to you, which is, you know, I don't know. What are you just holding on to little nuggets over there? You, you know, you just, you're just oh. a, you're just a secret I, treasure trove, aren't you? My personal personal agenda is I get up at like three or four o'clock in the morning and I start reading because we are a product of the books that we read, the ideas that we entertain. And I, I really want to entertain, you know, who, who wants to play video games? I don't want to play video games. And yet everybody seems to be addicted to video games. And uh, why, why play a video game when you can read uh, just a life changing book or achieve life changing success or change the world, you know, those kind of ideas. I'd rather entertain those. So that's my, my clip on, on video games. <laughs> yeah. Cause you see, I, yeah, that's cause I like to play video games. So that's don't make fun of my love for video. You know, I play one video game and I, you know what? Uh, a lot of video games are, are mindless distractions from yeah, what we could actually it. achieve. So a lot of kids are struggling with that. Um, you know, the, the, I 
again, we're just going to, we're going to cut it off there and uh, okay. we'll pick it back up. Uh, thanks you again for, it. for you being on thrive. It. Do you, you want to try it. to say thrive one time? Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Cause I hear everybody, everybody makes fun of my intro. Have you, I don't, you probably haven't even heard it. No, I haven't, but I'll, I'll probably try to listen to myself. Yeah. How bad I was or good I was. Don't I be so hard on yourself. We see if I had anything worthy. You didn't fart say. or burp on the show. So that means you did good. <laughs> We know as you guys get older, you know, older, yeah, gran- yeah, you're yeah. a grandpa now. Yep. I sure am. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me, Trevor. Right. I'm honored. Yep. I was honored. All right. Love you, dad. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Love you too. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod, but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started.